Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. We are Christian Killers. Hello everybody. How are we doing? Three people are doing good. The rest of you are just figuring out. I don't know that guy on the screen, though, so I just, whoever that guy is, he's, he's crazy. Uh, but, man, we're so glad that you're here. We want to welcome you to Saturday night living room service. We're glad you're here on this May long weekend. And uh, for those of you who can tell, I am brown. This is, uh, this is not just the lights. I mean, these, we should actually get some tanning lights up in here. But, uh, man, over these past couple weeks, I've been gone for two weeks. And so you're probably wondering, where have I been? Where have I been going? And, uh, you know, two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go speak at a church just outside Vancouver. And uh, what we actually, we're not just a church here. For a lot of you that are part of this church, you know that. Uh, we also have an organization, Impacting Canada Ministries. And so right now we do house um, 13 churches and 33 pastors as well. And so that's something that, you know, we travel around a little bit doing, working with some of these pastors, putting on events and different things for them. And also we got five traveling ministers as well that travel full time throughout Canada, United States, and actually we got some in Israel as well. So it's been really cool to kind of pull in together and see opportunities of what God's doing across this nation. How many know God is working in this nation? And it's wonderful to be a part of. It's wonderful what we got going on here. This is a sweet church. And uh, man, so and at the same time, that Saturday that uh, I was gone, thank you so much. There was some amazing, I was there Saturday night listening online from a Starbucks in Abbotsford. And it was awesome. You guys preached the house up. So thank you so much for those that participated. They did that Sunday as well. And Pastor Sheila brought the house down last week, Saturday. Come on, you can yell at Pastor Sheila. Man, she likes that. She loves all that extra attention, doesn't she? Man, she, she just really, really goes for that kind of stuff. But thank you, Pastor Sheila, for doing that. And so Jamie and I had a wonderful time just to get away. We went to Mexico for 10 days. And man, it was 32 degrees, hot every single day. Woo, man, I tell you, they gave me free lemonades all day long. And so I actually didn't realize, like in the room, they had like tons of, you know, <clears throat> like Pepsi's and you know lemonades and all this kind of stuff and I kind of thought man like I don't I, I'll just go to the thing I don't want to pay for this stuff and at the very last day I found out of course it's free <laughs> so I'll tell you this before I left on that airplane I chugged all the drinks that were in that thing just to make sure that I got my full you know dollars worth in that but we had an awesome time just you know being together spending some time with the Lord at the beach and I just feel like that's where I hear the Lord the best anybody else hear the Lord on the beach yeah Anybody else hear him in Red Deer in the coldness? Ah, it's a little frigid, but no. <laughs> but man, we were so just so grateful to get away, and that we had a good time, just you know, strengthening our marriage for one, and that's that was always wonderful to do, and you know, get you know, reintroduce yourself after you got three kids, you're kind of like, okay, who are you? What's your dream again? And yeah, so it was good to get away and eat all the food that we could possibly eat. My wife ate crepes like you would not believe, because they had crepes and they had as much Nutella as you possibly wanted. Come on, somebody. Nutella as much as you want it. That is a dangerous place for a few people. And uh, so I know we had my chocolate fill for these past couple of weeks anyway. So uh, this, this evening, I'm excited to continue on this series, what we've been talking about, Christian Killers. And I know like this has been powerful so far. But one of the things that I just was on my heart to do was to kind of bring it back a little bit and start talking more so of what our primary call is. Starting from that place because Christian killers come to get us off our primary target of who you and I are called to be. And I mean, a lot of time you can just kind of talk about bitterness, offense, and unforgiveness, and all that is true. And we, we will address some of those things. Uh, but there's a reason why these things come is to get us off who we really are. And so I want to just lay a quick foundation talking a little bit about this. So if you got your Bibles with you, anybody got them with them? All right, we got them on our phones. We got, anybody got the old school paper? Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. All right, who's got the new school iPad and all that stuff? We got a few new schoolers? Yeah, okay. All right, I see Facebook hanging up on there. Okay. But uh, on your, in your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 10, and uh, we'll just we'll begin right in here. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10. Again, let's just talking about going back to the very fundamentals of what this whole thing is. And, man, I think for myself, the Lord's been really bringing me back to getting rooted and established in who we really are as believers. I mean, there's lots of information, there's lots of new revelations that come from it, but you got to get so solid in who we are and what God has called us to so we can progress. 
You know, one of the things that Hebrews talks about, Hebrews 6 always addresses that. He said, make sure that we are fundamentally founded on the truths of God's Word so that we can progress under further revelations, right? We, but we've got to get established in some of these truths that we've been taught, right? So in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, very familiar verses of Scripture, but I want to, again, just read them out to us. It says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, what? Be saved. Everybody say, be saved. All right, then verse 10 goes on to say, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. saved. Everybody say, saved. So now notice this. What do you have to declare in order to be saved? If you go back to verse 9 there for a sec, guys. If you openly declare, what? Jesus is Lord. Here I say that with me. Jesus is Lord. By confessing that, declaring that from your mouth, the Bible says you are saved. You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you are saved. And that saved word, everybody know what in the Greek means? It's the Greek word sozo. Sozo. Right? There you go, and sozo. There you go, sozo. Sozo means uh, salvation. It means wholeness and healing. And it means to be preserved from death. So when you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life, what ultimately are you saying? Now before I maybe just add that, but what, what does the word Lord mean? If somebody is a Lord. Anybody know? You can shout it out at me. Ruler. Shout it out. Anybody else? Thinking? What's that? Reigns over. He's on top of. He reigns over. You know, just in kind of our everyday use, he's the boss. Right? So another, I'll just read out to you. You guys already hit it on the head. But when I say and declare that Jesus is Lord, it means that Jesus has power and authority over me. Everybody say, over me. So if you've declared Jesus is Lord, guess what? That means he has authority over you. Anybody, you know, confessing that today? Jesus is Lord. What are you actually saying? You are saying, Jesus, you are the boss of my life. What you say goes. What your thoughts are will become my thoughts. Your ways will become my ways. And my life is yours to command. He is the boss. Now, I know we may know these things, but it's a lot differently when you start actively living this way out. If he is the boss of your life, that means he's got total say into everything you got, everything you have, everything you think you have. He's got complete right and authority to say, right? I mean, one thing that we're even finding out, even for Jamie and I, in our vacation time, we made him the Lord of our vacation. And you know what? Every single time, we have not lacked for vacation. Right? We have not lacked. And even when we get there, man, there's been times, you know, we looked at the weather report and it said, you know, thunder showers, thunder showers, thunder showers. And we're like, oh, oh no, 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 no. The Lord told us this is where we're going to go. This is where we're going to hear from him. And this is where we're going to rest. Lord. And so we actually just spoke to us and said, Lord, we're going to have a good time. Because at the same time, I got to get a tan. I got to let the inner black man out. And so this is the only way that I can do it. So at the same time, that whole entire time, not a drop of rain came until we left. As soon as we were on that plane, right, sweetie? What happened? It started raining. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's the, Jesus is the boss. Anyway, that's what I'm trying to get to. But at the same time, declaring that Jesus is Lord, look what also takes place. Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. It says this. I'm just laying a little foundation again real quickly here. It says, He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and He has now transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So by declaring Jesus is Lord, he has totally taken you out of one kingdom and placed you into an entirely different one. So now, in this kingdom, what is the primary purpose for our salvation? What is God's original intention for you and I being born again, being saved? That the Bible says, you know, we saw the word sozo. When you declare Jesus is Lord, what is God's original intention for you and I to be saved other than of course you know his love for us drew him to do these measures where he sent jesus to die on the cross but if you just sit and think about it for a sec why did god do this what's his original intention it would have been a lot easier for us for him just to forget about planet earth 
everybody that was going to be born in it and just start something brand new. What was his original intention with mankind, with salvation? Be in his presence, relationship. Yeah, all those are right. But I want to show you this Romans chapter 8 right here. It clearly lays out the original intention. Now, when you hear the word original intention, what should you automatically be thinking? If you like, think of a, you know, somebody who you know, builds cars. I got a cousin in the house that you know, can be doing some of those things. You build in cars. You're, the, you're the, the manufacturer of these cars. If you to go to BMW, who knows best than to build a BMW? The mechanics that design the thing, right? They know how it works. So at the same time, we have to go to the creator to hear what his plan for creation is. Right? Because listen, out on this earth, there's a lot of stuff going on, but we have to go back to what does the creator have in mind for his creation. And you know, you, you can read Romans chapter 8, you can hear all about, man, this whole earth is groaning. Right? Like, it's mm, not a good groan. It's groaning for the what? The revealing of God's sons and daughters. That's what this whole earth is waiting for, is for you and I to be revealed completely and totally as God's children. Right? That should be exciting news. That's where that's what it's that's really good stuff. And so we'll continue on. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. This, you know, Paul kind of goes on this awesome tangent. He gets excited about what he's preaching, talking about what praying in tongues is all about. And then he goes into verse 29. And he says, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them. Everybody say chose them. He chose them to become like his son. What did he choose you for? I know this is not anything different, but this is something we have to get back to, the original intention of why you're here. The original intention for why you're here is to look just like his son, so that his, the son would be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, click there, guys. Uh, next one, verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So this right here, you see the original intention. What is God's original intention for salvation? Why does God look for people to declare, Jesus is Lord? Why? It's so that you and I can be just like his son Jesus. That's the whole intention. Now a lot of times what we, what we can talk about these Christian killers, and what, we're going to get into this in depth in the coming weeks, but a lot of times we kind of just look at you know, unforgiveness just kind of being a separate thing from my Christian walk. Every, sing, every Christian killer that we're talking about, you know, such as offense and bitterness and envy and rage, all these types of things, is to dismantle you from your primary call of who you actually are. So it's not just about you, okay, i got to forgive that person because it's the right Christian thing to do. No, it's not the right thing to do, it's who you are. You're not trying to become a child of God. That's who you are. And now we want to manifest this childlikeness that we are in God. Right? So rather than, oh, I'm not going to be in strife. I'm not going to be in strife. You're trying to psych yourself up into it. When you realize who you really are, you don't want strife operating you because it's dismantling you from who you really are. It's killing you. Right? Okay. So now let's take a look at this. Again, the primary purpose for your salvation is that to look, to operate, to think and to talk just like Jesus. I don't have these verses on screen, but I'm going to just read them to you. Psalm chapter 8. And I'm not giving you anything, you know, brand, brand, brand new, but this is just good for you and I to mull over in our minds again that we get it in the forefront of our thinking. Oh, said it. He owns a business called Forefront Homes. It's really good. I just can't help it. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 through... Uh, Verse 8, it says this, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, I think, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Oh, you got it. Thank you. Yet, you made them. Who's he talking about? You made them. Who's the them? Say, say me. me. This is us right here. This, you made me only a little lower than who? God. You were made a little lower than God. And he goes on, and crowned him with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things, everybody say all things, all things under their authority. So we kind of think under all things under God's authority. No, he gave all things under your authority, my authority. That's where all things are. 
Right? Verse 7, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents are under what? My, your authority. This just always makes me think back, you know, we had a, we had a gentleman come in and speak here once. Uh, Mylon Lefevre, anybody heard of Mylon? Uh, man, he's awesome. I <laughs> love that. Anybody over 50 plus here? Mylon Lefevre. Anybody under 30 heard of Mylon Lefevre? Okay, man, that was true. You can Google him. He used to be part of a band. Like well, a wild band, like a like crazy band. But uh, he told this story once, and I guess I always think of it because we were just in the Gulf of Mexico swimming in it, and they just talk about, yeah, there are sharks in the Gulf of Mexico. Like, sweet. But he gave this, you know, he was in Australia just swimming around, and uh, all of a sudden, like, they were doing some deep sea diving, and uh, man, he, like, he said, we were just enjoying ourselves, you know, having our flash photography, just doing some cool pictures under the water. And he said, all of a sudden, I was taking a photo of, I don't know, another tourist or whatever. And in the background, I could see in the distance a pretty dark shadow, and it just looked like a big fish. Not sure what it was, so he kind of whatever. He said, within minutes, that thing started coming this way, and it was a great white shark. So he said, at that moment, like, fear tried to come in and grip him. All of a sudden, panic started to set in. And the first thing that he went to is he went and he had a little knife on the side here. He went to grab his knife. And as he did that, another great white bumped him from underneath. So now he's got one coming at him. He has another one that's swimming underneath him. And he said, at that moment, he said, I'm so thankful that I put the word in me. And he was meditating on these verses, Psalm chapter 8 through 3 through 8, how you put all things under my feet. And so he, at the same time, what he did at that moment, he said, it just came out of me. And he started speaking to those arcs, no weapon and no harm will come against me. And he started speaking and confessing. And so he had pictures now with these sharks. <laughs> now no longer is he scared of them. Now he's taking pictures of these sharks. This is the authority that you and I have. When fear tries to grip us, oh, all this type of thing. He took authority. And what happened? He started taking pictures with these bad boys. How awesome that. So I'm like looking for a shark in the Gulf of Mexico. Here's shark, here's shark, here's shark, here's shark, here's shark. Now you got to be smart in that too. I know this comment. I, I, I get that. But anyways, uh, what was I saying? Sharks. Under our feet. And then at the same time, you know, just reading that verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Again, the primary purpose of our salvation is Romans 5, 17. I love this. It says, for the sin that happened that Adam brought in through this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Now, notice all who receive it. How many of you receive the grace of God? And now what does that mean? You've declared that Jesus is Lord. Right? You, you heard what Jesus did for you at the cross. You declared Him as Lord because you saw the grace that was presented towards you. And what happened when you received it? You live now in triumph over sin over death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So how does God see you and I supposing to live here and now in Red Deer in this day and age? To triumph. Are you going to see that word triumph? What does it mean to triumph? Woo, 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 woo. You're the winners. You win. You rule. You triumph over what? Sin. Sin's got nothing on you. It's got nothing on you. And over what else? Death. Anything that death anything caused by death. Sickness, disease caused by death. You are triumph over it through who? Through this one man, Jesus Christ. So when you declared him as Lord, this is now how God sees you. He sees you triumphantly. He sees you now as who you are in Christ. Whole, saved, a child of the Most High God. This is who you are. This is why we're talking Christian killers. We can't have time for these little killers sneaking up and taking us over. You're too good for that stuff. Huh. Anyway, that's just a little added in there. So again, what is the primary purpose of our salvation? Romans 8, 29 and 30 is so that we look, operate, talk, think just like Jesus. Remember we said this before, Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of us. So every time you read the Gospels and you see, you know, the one with the issue of blood, all of a sudden, you know, trying to reach for Jesus, stop identifying as the woman or the man constantly in need. Start seeing yourself as the one people are looking to get to because you contain the anointing of God on your life. And through now, Jesus is able to use my body to do works. You know, I was reading, you know, a book this past week when I was on the beach. And one of the things that I love the terminology he used, he just said that God now uses people as uniforms. 
That's what it is. That's what he wants to do through you and I. This is God's uniform. This is what he chose to wear. This is the uniform that he wears now. And so start identifying yourself as Jesus through the Gospels and start seeing what he did. Get the same power that Jesus had, now you have. It's the same spirit. Right? Same spirit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, the question may come up is how do we become like him? Anybody asking that question? How do we become like him? Now again, go back to Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. I want you to see verse 29. God knew his people in advance. This is the first way that you become like him. First is out of complete out of your control. Number one is you have to be chosen for it. You got to be chosen to become like Jesus. And you can't choose yourself. Somebody has to choose you. And so look what it says here. And who chose you? God knew his people in advance, and God chose you to become like his son. So you're not choosing to become like his son. God chose you. So the first step is, you have to be chosen. Now thank God, I don't know about you, but I'm chosen. You know, anybody seen Toy Story? You know, seen Toy Story 1? Those cute little alien guys that are, you know, squirming on little squeakers. And, you know, Buzz and Woody get inside that big rocket ship. And all of a sudden, Sid is playing with that remote control, and he kind of, you know, finally gets one, and, you know, with the big claw, the claw comes down. And all of a sudden, squeezes one of those green guys, and he goes up, I have been chosen. I go on to a better place. Farewell, my friends. And he does his, his little thing. God, with his claw, chose you. Did you see that? You were in the big dispenser of the world, and he chose you to come out amongst all the other aliens of the world? And he chose you now to be separate from it. And so he chose you to be like him. And isn't that kind of cool? That's who you are. Another verse that says this, John 15, 16. I love Jesus' words here. Uh, John 15, 16. Do you guys have that one? I think I... If not, I'll just continue. I'll, I got it right here. John 15, 16 says, You didn't... This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said to his disciples, You didn't choose me. A lot of times people think in Christian circles is that, oh, I choose God. No, 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 no. You're, you're not that cool. <laughs> Capable of making that smart of a decision. He chose you. You're just smart enough to accept it. Right? Remember what Jesus said, when I am lifted up amongst the earth, I will draw all men to myself. And what's God's part? His part is calling you. He chose you. And so what did you do? We declare Jesus is Lord. Guess what? That is the smartest thing you've ever done. Right there is just acknowledging what Jesus did and who he is. Because at that point, you know, Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And then he goes on to say, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So this right here is God's move. And thank God he chose you. He chose you. Now you got to start seeing this. I know this is, a, this is a global call. But at the same time, you know, Matthew 22, I think 14 says that many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? There's few people that actually take on the responsibility of what this call is. There's a lot of people, not thank God not here, but other places, that will, yeah, we accept Jesus as the Lord, but they still have themselves, their job, their money, their wife, their husband, their kids, on the throne as the Lord of their life. So what does it mean when Jesus is Lord? He is the center of my life. He is my boss, no matter what. He is the boss. Before anything else in my family, he's my numero uno. I just came back from Mexico. <laughs> not two, not three. And I know, I know we know this, and I know these are very, you know, you've probably heard this a lot of times in Christian circles, but we got to understand the reality of this. Jesus has to be one. He's got to be number one. If he's not number one, then it's the same thing that Jesus said. Many are called, but few are actually chosen. Why are few chosen is because not everybody accepts the responsibility of putting him first place in their life. Okay. Cool. So God's move. Next, I want you to go to Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Now, in just saying this, in how do we become like him? Uh, there's, there's three things that I'm saying with this. How do we become like him? Number one is, first of all, he chooses us. And I don't think there's anything greater than just to sit down and, in your meditation chair with the Lord and just start thinking, he chose me. That's the, one of the most humbling things. I mean, there's been times I go, why on earth, God, are you, have you, why did you pick me? Why? And I mean, you just sit down. You'll get your own answer for this. I know why the Lord chose me. <laughs> but let him reveal to you why he chose you. 
And there's nothing greater than to know that he chose you, not as, you know, second or third pick. He wanted you. He saw something in you that you don't see in yourself quite yet. And that's why he calls on you, because he sees something in you that man, he wants to reveal to you. So you are on your way to becoming the person you were designed to be. That's who you are. Right? So God's move, the first and foremost. So how do we become like him? Number one is he chose me. Now, when, I, when I'm talking about how do we become like Him, I want to make sure that we get this, is that this is a call to our inner life. Like, I know we, people, we talk a lot about our outer life. Right? This is what I do, and this is what I have. But how many know you've got an inner life that you have got to work on? Your inner life, in fact, is more important than your outer life, because what happens in your inner life will affect the outer life. So when Jesus calls you to become like his son, he's not calling you to, like, grow long hair and get a really big beard. And I mean, that would just be awkward if women had to do that. Right? Gotta just be like Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about natural looking wise. I'm talking about your inner life. Now your spiritual life, I'm not talking about that. Your spirit life is, you've declared Jesus as Lord. It is taken care of. Right? You're complete on the inside. It says, in him you are complete. So in my spiritual being, there's nothing in me spiritually that needs revamping, that needs progressing, that needs work. It's there. So where is this inner work taking place? It's in my soul. It's in my mind, it's in my emotions, it's in my will, it's in my decision making. It all takes place right here. I have got to get my soul to become just like him and I can because I have the same spirit that Jesus has. He gave me it on the inside so he can affect it. Right? It's, that's wonderful news. Okay. So how do we become like him? Number one is he chose me. Number two then is now we have to Come to Him. <laughs> it's going to be very simple. You're going to be like, really? This is what you prepared to preach? And it's not easy. Yeah, it's that easy. You come to Him. This is now your active responsibility. God cannot do this for you. Nobody can make you do this. This is something that you do on your own. I wish we could make people do it, but you can't. Right? I'm sure like husbands, wives, you, come on spouse, let's go. Or come on kids, let's do this. No, you, it just turns on the inside of you where you want him. I want this, right? <laughs> oh man. And so Mark chapter 3 verse 13, let's look at these verses here. Mark 3 says this in verse 13. So after, this is right after Jesus did a bunch of healing on the Sabbath. Really made the Pharisees very, very angry. Which is Jesus is one of his top things he does. Make religious people mad. Then he goes in verse 16. After this was all done, Jesus went up to a mountain. And notice again, what did he do? And he called out what? Can you read it? It's on the screen if you need to read it. Do we read? We called out the ones he, he wanted. The ones that he wanted. And notice this. To go with him. And then that next five words right there, a lot of times you can just blank over those and not think anything of it. But this right here, he called the ones that he wanted. You've been called. You've heard the grace message. You've declared Jesus as Lord. That's part of his call. And now notice what happens next. And they came to him. They came to him. Right? So how do I come to him? I come to Jesus by coming to his word. I know it's easy. I come to Jesus by coming to his word. Time in the word is time with Jesus. A lack of the written word of God in my life is a lack of revelation knowledge in my life. If I'm not spending time in this word, he has got nothing for me to reveal. Right? It's all right here. He reveals everything right here. So what happens when revelation comes? Anybody have re revelation before? And that is one of those, aha, or the lights came on. Oh, I see it. You had one of those before? That's because you spent time in this word and God made come to life the verse. Now, because think about it. We've read this. It says here in Hebrews 4.11 or 4.12 that the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's amazing what this word can do. You can hear, we can hear the same verse of scripture and come from totally different backgrounds and mean totally different things to us in line of what the scripture is saying in context. That's how alive and personal the word will make itself to be to you. That's how interested Jesus is in you. He makes it alive. He makes it personal to you. Aren't you glad that, you know, when I have to get a revelation, the same one that Colton has through his life. 
All of a sudden, I got to go, okay, this is Colton's life. Okay, that's one. That's how Colton hears it. I guess that's how I got to hear. He wants to talk to you for yourself. This is huge for us. We got to get this. But again, they came to him. Now, you know, other things that I've been, you know, I grew up in this. And when I say this, I'm talking about church. I grew up in church. I've went to conferences. I remember driving three days to get to conferences. This is just what we did. This is what our family was. We watched Gospel Bill. No Power Rangers, Gospel Bill. Any of my authority, you know, you know what I'm talking about? No more, yeah, we ain't, yeah, gospel, okay. And you know, we're going to watch Salty, that big creepy blue guy with the songbook. Right? We're going to watch that. No, we can't watch, you know, Arthur after school. Put on Salty. I feel like I'm the only one in the room that understands what the pain is. Anybody know? Okay, so you're watching all the, this is all that it was. But um, growing up in this, you know, you can hear a lot of messages. You can hear a lot of different things. You can come across amazing men and women of God, and it's wonderful. And one of the things that I've learned to realize is not to take any of this stuff for granted. And at the same time, you know what Paul says? He told Timothy this in 2 Timothy 3.14. I don't know if I have that on the screen. Yes, I do. But this is Timothy. This I want to just encourage you because some of the things right here that you know Timothy's being encouraged in, he says you must continue in the things which you have learned. A lot of times what you're going, you and I are going through, we got life, things happen. But you know what? One of the best things that you can do is to continue in the things that you've been taught all these years. Don't ever, you know, have a negative approach. Oh, I've heard about, you know, the born again experience. I've heard about the grace of God. Never let that just become a, oh yeah, I've heard that before. No, continue in it. And then at the same, be assured of knowing where you learned them from. You can be assured that these messages that we've heard over and over and over again, these are the anchors for our soul to hold on to when all hell tries to break loose. We got to have on to something, right? So let me encourage you, continue in what you've heard. Do you need anything new? No, I'm, this is something that I'm really finding for myself. I find it kind of like, you know, just recently finding myself kind of going through a little bit of a lull spot. Just, you know, ugh, yeah. kind of going over the same things. And though, man, just this past time in Mexico, the Lord just awakened me. Man, get back to some of these basics that you've heard. Can I tell you why? You know, just this is not anywhere on my notes. But Hebrews chapter 2, this is what the Lord showed me. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. I don't know, you guys got that? You can find it on your phone, get it on there. But in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, this is the Hebrew writer. He's encouraging Christians and believers. He says, we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. It's so dangerous to drift. Like nobody, and again, being at the beach, a lot of these thoughts come to me. I mean, I, I, went, into the, I went into swimming in the ocean a little bit, and you know, when Jamie's reading a book, I have to make some friends. So, man, I made a lot of buddies on that beach, I'll tell you. They suck at volleyball, but they're nice nonetheless. <laughs> but made a, and, just a, and so I, I went swimming with, you know, talked with a couple of guys, but I went out there and I you know just kind of talking and they had a lot of this uh, like seaweed type stuff that's, you know, rolling in quite a bit. And, you know, every once in a while you can try to dodge it a little bit. I just don't want to get hit by that stuff. So you go swimming a little bit over here because there's something a little bit about it's kind of dark underneath there and something's creeping up on my feet. I don't like that. I know I got authority on it, but I just don't like it. So I'm going to move over a little bit. But over time, you know, I'm, all of a sudden I look up to see my beautiful wife. And all of a sudden my wife is not there. Going, okay, wait, but my chair, okay, we're, okay there's a palm tree that I'm looking at. Not realizing that I had drifted. All of a sudden I look up and I go, oh, that's the lifeguard bench. I, I'm... I'm way over here, so I you know, have to paddle myself back. But nobody drifts on purpose. Nobody just said, I'm out of here, I'm going to go swim far away, and I'm going to get away from this stuff. No, it's by accident. It just, all of a sudden you look up and go, hey, my gorgeous wife isn't right there. Why is this you know, big lifeguard looking at me? This is not where I'm supposed to be. Right? And so that's, a lot of times you can see that even for your own personal life. You go, how did I get here? It's called drifting. And if you're not aware, and this is what Paul's telling us, Continue in the things that you have learned. Continue in them. Go deep in them. You've heard about praying in tongues? Guess what? Hear it again. Keep going into it. Get deeper in it because there is so much more to it than what we've comprehended and understood. Right? So he says, don't drift away. Now, um, so as I said, how do I come to him? I come to Jesus by coming to his word. Now, what happens when I come to him? What happens when I come to his word? My approach is everything, number one. I have got to come with an approach, and this is the mindset I come at. 
I'm coming not to sit in when I go into my white chair and I spend time with the Lord. I'm not coming to look for, you know, ammo to go and attack my wife with. My, my approach isn't to prove how right I am on social media. Okay, that's a sensitive subject. All right. You a lot of times you can just take word and... I am coming with the approach of, Lord, I'm coming to be discipled. I am coming to learn. Not for my wife. Not for what I think my kids need to know. I am coming to learn for me. Because I remember hearing this a lot when I was a kid growing up, that you, you teach what you know, but you impart who you are. And so one of the things that I'm wanting to do with my life, I want my life to be so impactful that I don't even unnecessarily have to say anything. People can just watch me. And that be enough. So this is the goal. And this is why I think the same time too, my approach then is to be a disciple, to be a pupil of his teaching. I am here, Lord, to learn. I'm not here to try to correct you. Uh, you know, they think, you know, who corrects God? There's been people, there's been times where I felt I needed to tell the Lord that he was off in regarding a situation that I'm in. <laughs> Anywho, I approach his word with the intention to imitate what I see. That's how I'm coming in. Lord, I'm, whatever you show me, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to replicate it in my life. And that goes along with Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus calls and tells us to make disciples, not converts. Go and make, doesn't say go evangelize the world. He's go out and preach the gospel. Make disciples. It doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples. Teaching them everything that I've taught you. This is what our job is. Is we're here to tell people about who Jesus is. Not just, this is what he's done, get saved and okay, you know, figure it out. We're here to walk with people. This is why the church is the most powerful entity on the face of the earth. It's because we do it no man alone, no woman alone. We're in this thing together. Okay, so again, what happens when I come to him? Now this is what I've just found and this, this again just kind of comes fresh to me as I spent some time with the Lord in Mexico. But uh, we enter a repent and believe cycle. This has become my life cycle. It's a repent and believe cycle. Now again, just the word repent, what does that mean? It's not, I get not one of those turn or burn signs. Repent, repent, or else you're all going to hell. I don't mean that repent in the context of what the Bible says. It means to change your thinking. Rome, or Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, I'll show you this. In the Amplified Bible, the New Amplified Bible, it says this, uh, from that time, now again, this is right after Jesus got baptized. This is right after Jesus spent 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness. This is his first message to people. Now, I remember the first time that I ever spoke in front of people, I wanted to make it, you know, light. And so, you know, it's good. And I hope people enjoyed it. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, But Jesus' first message, this is the first words that came out of his mouth to people. Ready? What does it say? Oh, you sound just like him. Repent. What does he say? Repent! Jesus is a preacher. What does that mean? He doesn't mind getting loud. He repents. What does that mean? Change your outer self? No, notice Jesus doesn't care about all that stuff out here. He's talking about your inner life. This is his primary focus. He's not saying stop being bad people. Stop doing this and stop smoking and stop chewing. Stop doing all those bad, bad things. No, he's saying repent, change your inner life. This is what he's interested in, is the inner life. He says your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life. Why? For the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Other translations simply read it like this way, repent and believe the gospel. So what is Jesus? What ultimately is he saying? Change your way of thinking and have deep trust in my ways. So this is now, what, how do I approach him? How, what happens when I come to his word? This is the cycle that I'm finding. It's coming out to be repetitive in my life. It comes into a repentive and belief cycle. What does that mean? He puts something, a finger, on an area of my life that is a bit off from his word. I repent, meaning, Lord, I, I, I didn't see it that way. I apologize for not seeing it according to your word. That's how you say about this? Okay, I'm going to now take your thoughts and let them become my thoughts. Because I've declared Jesus is Lord. Right? Jesus is Lord, meaning your ways are now going to be my ways. Your thoughts are now going to be my thoughts. So when you say, oh, I, this needs to change. I don't like the way you think about money. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, but this is how I grew up. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter what your culture is. we got to go back to what this is. 
Got to stick to what this word says and let him change you. Okay. Repent and believe. Now, this is the way that the Lord laid it out to me. Like, Because I'm just writing it out. I said, Lord, do you have to repent? Do you have to believe in Jesus? No. You don't have to. And repentance isn't just somebody who comes up to the altar and says, okay, Lord, I give my life to you. You know, here's my life. Do something with it. That's not what repentance is. That's a form of it. But true repentance is, is a total 180. This is the way that I thought. This is the way that I'm going now. It's a complete change away. Okay, so do I have to repent and believe? No, but I sure get to. <laughs> now here's the thing. Jesus is telling us since the kingdom of God is here, now what is the kingdom of God? Yes, it's that, but what, like, what is it? Is it, is it heaven? What's the kingdom? If the kingdom of God is going to be here amongst us and it's here, what is that? It's the culture, it's the presence, it's, it's God's way of doing and being right amongst us. It's being here. So if God's kingdom is here, meaning it's on the inside of us, God's kingdom is to be experienced. Right? Anybody want to experience the kingdom of God? I, I do. Because what is in the kingdom of God? Terry just said it. There's righteousness, joy, and peace. This is it. This is the kingdom of God manifesting itself. How does that happen? Repentance. So he said, repent. Why? Repent and believe. Why do I need to do that? Because the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here. So what's holding you from experiencing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in your life? And I'm not just talking, I mean, it can come in a tangible way. But you just experiencing joy like you never had before, it's repenting and believing something else. That's all that it is. Isn't it that easy? Isn't that awesome? It's that simple. So remember the Lord even just telling me this, like just asking... You know, like the Lord just said it to me this way. I wish I had my journal with me, but like Joel, there's nothing for you in this old mind shift, in this old mindset. There's nothing good in there for you. So when the call to repentance really is a glorious thing. It really is an exciting thing because what I'm allowing you now to do is I'm allowing you to come out of your crap that you're in right now and experience heaven on earth because of a new way of thinking. That's what it is. How is it that some people can go through the most difficult, tragic times and yet still look like they're on top of the world? How do they do that? I mean, I'm not talking like there's experience and of grief and there's loss and there's hurt. But how can they still win and triumph in life? They got a mindset. Those are the winners and champions as they have now repented of a certain mindset and they've taken on a different one. That's all that it is. Simple, right? Okay, continuing on. <clears throat> That Jesus' life is available for you and I to participate in repenting and believing. Jesus now, at the same time, if you look Matthew 14, about three verses later, he calls and he finds his disciples. And what is the word that he says to them? Two words. Follow me. Follow me. Get on the same road as I do. See how I do life. Jesus came to reveal a new way of living for us. And I believe that call is going out to every single one of us tonight is this terminology of follow me. When you're following somebody, what does that mean? Are you in front of them? Are you beside them? No, I'm directly behind them. Jesus will always be directly in front of me. Always there. And I don't want anybody interfering with my gap. There's a gap that I have between me and Jesus and I want it to be very slim. And then I can have, you know, everything else behind me. But all of a sudden, if that gap starts to, you know, lengthen, 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 I'm going to be very frustrated. You know what that cycle is? I haven't repented and believed. So let me encourage you. You want to get close to him, repent and believe. This is the cycle that you and I should be living our life in. This is what God thinks. Okay, Lord, I repented that. I changed that. This is now how I think too. Right? Cool. Okay. So number one again, how do we become like him? Number one is he chose me. Number two is... I come to him. This is my responsibility. And then I just laid out how we come to him. And number three then, is then allowing what he says in his word to shape my thinking. It kind of just ties in. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. I want to show you these are powerful truths in the Passion Bible. And now this is right after talking about the Old Testament, the old veil that Moses had when he came down off the mountain. You guys remember that story? Moses went up to talk with God. He was there for 40 days. He came back. He had the Ten Commandments. And then all of a sudden, what did happen? People saw him and he was glowing. Man, it was just this light emanating from him. That was Old Testament. And so what did they do? They had to put a covering, a veil over Moses' face because the people looked at him and went, Ah, too bright, Moses. Man, you glow, dude. Can't see you. 
So they put a cover on them. And that cover, that veil, was just to protect the people from seeing. But now, when you, if you read 2 Corinthians 3, maybe do that tonight, it's really good. When you declare Jesus as Lord, guess what happened? The veil now has been removed, and you now are the mirror or the reflection of God's glory. So 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says this, We can all draw close to Him, talking God, with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. Now notice these next words. We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let me just take that the word that was in there. We are being transfigured into His very image. And now we know the word transfigured. Anybody know what that word in the Greek is? Metamor um, metamorpho. And where we get the word metamorpho metamorphosis. Right? And what is that? We know that to be a caterpillar into a butterfly. We have to go back to grade three. Butterfly. And you know what happened? You know, the, the, cat, the caterpillar goes in that little cocoon for so long. And over time, he's spending time in there. What happens? He bursts for now. He's got these wings. Now, what happens the way that I sit? You spend time. You get into the presence of God. You are crawling into the presence of God. But after you're with him, you come flying out. This is what he wants to do. And this is the whole transformation that takes place. Now, how do we do that? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This is when you see that word plead. Paul is begging this church in Rome. Please see this. After everything has God done for you, give him your body. Give it to him. God's not going to take your body. He gave you a body that's yours to steward. Right? I'm talking this physical thing. This body belongs to you. Now, why does he say body? Why doesn't he talk about mind right there? Because right away, our bodies want to go off and do things all the time. But when you sit down and you want to be with God, guess what? The first thing you want to do is how many likes that I get on Instagram? What's going on on social media? What's the, what's the, what's the score on the game? Or what's, what's happening over here? What's this person doing over here? Our bodies want to constantly be going. So this is what Paul is saying. Give him your bodies. Because when you give him your body, guess what? Now we can get to your mind. <laughs> Shut the thing down. And that's what basically took Jamie and I about three days Four days on vacation to shut up. It took us forever, it felt like. And then I got burnt, and then I had to. <laughs> just quick side note. Is there any other way to tan other than just to go all in, forget the suntan, man? I ain't doing that. Let's just let's burn the sucker, and it'll just turn brown. Anybody? One, two, two, is it, two okay. anybody else? Anybody else using you know, the SPF 75, 100? You know, you just... You just glow when you're sitting out there in the sun. And just, there was a guy that we saw. Man, he just loathed right up. Like he was, uh, you know, a, a different colored skin man. And he just, he put all this stuff on and he was white. I mean, this sun, he's just, he, I mean, he looked at the sun like, man, you ain't got no chance. This sun, he could go to the sun and the sun still would have no effect on him. It was, I think he used the whole bottle. And at the same time we discovered, I mean, good thing I didn't use a whole lot. I did get a pretty good burn though, that, so I'm a little tender, a little bit of a prime meat, but, it's, but uh, we found out, man, suntan lotion, there's 30 bucks! Yes, it is! Woo! <laughs> so bring your own, B-Y-O-T-S-L, tanning lotion, there it is. What am I talking about? Give them your bodies. Give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Then verse 2 says, let, the, or, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then verse 2, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God. Everybody say, let God. Notice this again. You have to let him do something. God is not going to just come in here and just rattle your cage and say, you got to think this way. No, I have to approach him and say, Lord, I'm submitting my thinking to you. Where does it need to be changed? You have to intentionally do that. If you don't, he won't. What's his move? His move is to call you. Your move is to go to him. Your move is at the same time, Lord, I'm approaching you. Here's my thinking, sir, regarding this situation. Here's my thinking regarding how I'm raising my kids. This is the situation. This is what my wife just said to me. This is how this little argument went over. Approaching him that way, now I'm allowing him, I'm submitting myself to his thoughts. 
And it's been so good. The Lord correcting me is wonderful. I love correction. It's the greatest thing. I've become smarter in it. It actually says that in the Bible. The fools despise correction. You want to be an idiot all your days, just don't listen to him. That's basically it. But if you're done being stupid, submit. Lord, here's my thought. Right? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. God will do the transforming. It's not your job trying to transform yourself. God will do it. You let him change your thinking. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There it is. It's wonderful. So in the upcoming weeks, I'm not going to just stop right there, but we are going to take some time to talk about these killers that may be brewing in our lives. Because the whole reason why I wanted just to share this and not talk about a specific killer tonight is just because this is from the angle that I'm coming at. This is the perspective that I'm coming from. This is who we are. We are children of the Most High God. This is the call that He has on our life, is to look like Him. So when bitterness or offense tries to creep in, or fear tries to take in, we have to recognize that we're talking from this, from a perspective of, I am a child of the Most High God. Not a lowly Christian who's just trying to get rid of this offense, or just, you know, I, I just have to forgive. I, I understand there may be some pain, there may be some things that you've got to work through. I'm not saying anything against that. Yeah, a lot of time it is a process. You have to walk these things through. It takes time to work some of these things through. But the way that I'm looking at it is from this perspective of, this is who we are. This is what God has called us to be. So don't allow it in your life. You can't help what people do to you. I understand that. You can't tell people to be nice to you. That won't work. So people may do stupid things to you, but your job is in your response. So this is the thing that we're going to get into, is just talking about all these different things that have the potential to take Christians out. And sadly, I mean, we, I've, I've known guys that have been close to me that have allowed you know, some of these killers, and a big one being offense, a big one being unforgiveness, if they lost their marriage because of it, they lost their job because of it, they're divorced because of it, all these little things that creep in. So we've got to guard our heart. You've got to guard that thing knowing this is who I am. Now, that's why I just, I will not get offended. I refuse to. You can call me, say whatever you want. I don't have time for it because this is who I am. Right? Do you see that? Like if somebody hurts me, I, my job is I want to forgive quick. And I, yeah, there's a process that I got to work through the person. I'm going to do that. But my goal is to go through it. And I want to win people over. But I'm going to do it because this is who I am. I am a Jesus person. Right? Cool. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.